This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Live. Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The top 10. The top 10. Hello, 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 everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you decide to listen to this podcast, hopefully you're just listening to it. This is the top 10 with Tia for Geek Vibes Nation. And as always, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me the amazing Brittany. Brittany, how are you doing this morning? Say I'm good. I'm good. I'm really ready for Watch American Gods later. Yes, yes. So if you have been a, I'm hoping there's fans of us, of our show, but if, so if you've been a fan or a listener of the top 10, you know that Brittany and I are uber American Gods fans, and they just came out with a new episode today, which is Sunday, um, and, yeah, so that's exciting. If you haven't been watching that, you definitely, definitely should because it's a great show. I would say it's one of, like, the only things that I feel like I feel like it's very few and far between that you ever run into anybody that's like, oh, I just hate mythology. Yeah, mythology is so interesting to me because it's just, it, you know, expands just so many worlds and cultures. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. And, um what she calls it i'll say really quick about american gods um there was a like punk singer that i loved back in the day like years ago high school years right um and her name was biff naked and i mean i love her songs i still love it yeah i love her songs i still love them to this day if anyone out there is a fan of ssx tricky you also know that she voiced the character zoe um but anyway um There was an album of hers one time where she was explaining that her beliefs are kind of where she believes that all of the gods and mythologies have existed. It's just who you pray to, right? So I was like, oh, that's kind of like a cool concept. And then when I came on to American Gods, that literally takes that where all the gods exist of every different mythology. I was like, that's amazing. Um, So, yeah. But um, I've been watching recently, I think I told you, Brittany, I rewatched 2018's miniseries, The Bodyguard, not to be confused with the movie that starred uh, Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner in it, but the uh, UK series starring Richard Madden. And I'm reminded of how good this miniseries is and how excited I am for Richard Madden to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he's going to be in, he's playing the character Icarus in the movie The Eternals. So I'm really pumped to see that as well, Brittany. I feel like there's just so much coming out now, and I feel like it's good because we were in such a dry spell for so long that it's nice to have all this new content coming. Well, I'll certainly hope so. Um because uh, I've been hearing rumors, and I hate the rumors, that they may delay Black Widow again. And what? I'm sitting here saying, please just release it on Disney+. Plus. We cannot keep pushing these things because, you know, 
Uh, everyone thought, as I said, everyone thought when 2021 happened that the clock would strike midnight and suddenly everything would be better. And it's not, obviously. So, you know, studios are like, shit, you know, what are we going to do? And it's like, no, 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 just please drop it. So I'm sitting here crossing my fingers and Kevin Feige actually does that so that we don't have to wait any longer. We can see Black Widow. Um, but I will say, as far as Marvel content, WandaVision is happening right now. WandaVision is very good. Um, episode 3 just came out, and it is definitely, um, like, shit's kicking up into gear. And uh, you have to watch it too, Brittany. I know you haven't checked out WandaVision yet, but you could already tell how important this story is going to be to the overall, you know, theme of the MCU going forward. And I know now is it one is it a is it a stressful show or is it a fun show or is it I both? Mean, it's fun right now, but you can tell it's going to be stressful because the thing is that you know the whole thing is Wanda um, living in this world that Vision is alive in, and them just being essentially a happy married couple. Um, but you know that's that that's not real. Vision died, you know, we never saw him come back, so how is he That's back suddenly? That never came back, which, <laughs> can we talk about that real quick? When they took all the stones back where they should have went, went, what did they do with Vision's stone? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but someone pointed out that, remember in Infinity War, um, when Shuri was basically kind of explaining that there was a way for Vision to exist without the stone. But, you know, the first three episodes, like the thing with WandaVision is that um, it's touching upon like all the different errors of television, right? So in the first two episodes, it's all in black and white. And it's very like, I love Lucy, uh, you know, Dick Van Dyke sort of theme. You know, the two of them are like in 1950s attire and they're like, oh, my husband, oh, my wife, you know, and then... And then in episode three, they're suddenly in the 70s, and it's like Brady Bunch and shit like that. So it's interesting, but it's like the surface level is just them living as this, like, happy married couple that wants to be normal. And then the underlying is you could tell there's glitches in this reality. Like, there's times where, um, you know, Wanda and Vision are talking, and Vision's like, I think something's wrong. And you see Wanda look at him, and all of a sudden it's like, as if the tape got re- rewound and then Vision says something completely different that's more, you know, what Wanda wants to hear. So it's like you could tell. Oh, no. But if he's conscious enough in her mind to know that that's not right, it makes me curious. It makes me so curious, and that's why I'm so excited to keep watching. Um, and just to give you a rundown really quick, Brittany, because I know you've been, like, super busy with things so maybe you're not like in the loop with this but it's like so WandaVision's happening right now right and just to give you an example WandaVision is is loosely based on the comic book um, storyline House of M which is Wanda lost Vision Wanda creates a reality where Vision lives and fuck shit up Um, and that's also with this like villain into it whatever anyway so WandaVision is happening. WandaVision, whatever happens in WandaVision is going to lead to the event in Spider-Man 3, 
which is where you see now all these different characters that are coming back from different Spider-Man worlds, right? And then whatever it's happens... It's so cool. It's very, so, like, it's ambitious. Exactly. I love it. And so whatever happens in Spider-Man 3 is going to then lead way into Doctor Strange 2, where possibly Wanda could be the villain. So I will say that WandaVision is very important, I feel like, um, and you can watch it. I can help you watch it. I won't say it on air how I can help you watch it. I can help you watch it. And the episodes are very short. They're like 24 minutes each. So, you know, you could break it up really quick. But, you know, if they keep delaying shit, you'll have plenty of time to freaking catch up with WandaVision. But anyway, we're not talking about that today, although I probably could go on forever for American Gods and WandaVision. an episode of just talking about whatever. We do. We really do. We're going to put it into place. Brittany and I have been talking about it for a while, um, something like that. And I think we're we're finally going to do it because we could just go on and on and on. But this week's topic that we're doing is something that I'm not – okay, so I'm not a sports fan. I think I've said this plenty of times. Um, I was in a shit ton of sports as a child, and I have no – desire to watch any sports of any kind today right i find all of that super boring um but i love sports movies i don't know what it is Brittany. it's like i i can't watch football i can't watch baseball i can't watch any of that i do like the olympics which is so interesting for you like i'm like huh but you know why i like sports movies is that i just think that they're always just so in- inspiring. So even though like they're attached to a sport, I'm more so concerned with like what gets them there. It makes you just want to work out. Like it makes you want to be like, I could do that. I could get fit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't always think that way, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I wanted us to do the top 10 best sports movies only because I think, as I said, a lot of these sports movies are really great. Um, and also, the Super Bowl is coming up soon. I don't actually know the actual date. I probably should have looked that up. But, you know, the Super Bowl is a pretty big um, event. And also, um, I heard murmurings. Now, there's conflicting murmurings. But, you know, we were supposed to have the Olympics last year in Tokyo. And obviously, that had to get pushed to 2021 and there are conflicting rumors that they may just cancel it altogether, although I believe officials in Japan are saying that's not true. It's still happening. But how? How are you going to still have the Olympics? I know. That's like a lot of things. And you know what's scary, especially for sports, is I didn't realize even there's so much money exchanged with sports, it is like they can very easily go under. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like they're not super profitable because they do play their pay their players too much. Like, because it's like the NBA, the reason why, um, you know, the NBA always wanted really tall people, right, to play. Because, but the thing is, is that it was making the sport too easy. So they're actually starting to go for shorter people to make the game more interesting again. And so I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, oh, are y'all going to be struggling financially? That's really funny you say that because you all know that I love the ba- – even though, again, I'm not a sports fan, I love the basketball player Boban Marjanovic. Um, 
And, you know, he's seven foot four. He's quite tall. And I was reading that he doesn't get played very often. And he was in an interview where they asked him, did he think that tall people were being weeded out in the NBA um, because of that? And I've seen other things that also, you know, back up what you were saying where they realized it's not very entertaining if we have a whole team of seven foot plus guys and they can take two steps and just like, you know, put the ball in the freaking net without even jumping. You know, that's not very entertaining. No, it's like freaking Shaq is tall AF. I'm pretty sure he could like dunk on anyone. You know, I think, he doesn't play anymore, but you know what I mean? I think Shaq is what, like seven one, seven two. He's tall. I haven't seen his girlfriend compared to him. Oh, my God. When he was dating, because I don't think he's dating hoops anymore. But when he was dating hoops, I think she was um five foot exactly. So the height difference is quite disproportionate. Well, that's like that guy Boban, his wife, I think is like five foot two. And if you see pictures of them together, you're like, how does that (laughs) work? Um, it is interesting, but yeah, it's funny because I know, I'm, I don't know about you, Brittany, and you can tell me, but I mean, my family is big into sports, right? I mean, they love football. They're all Giants fans, except for my cousin, Danielle, who's a Jets fan, which, you know, that all causes some, you know, uh, friendly tension, but, um, you know, my, uh, my grandpa watches baseball. My grandpa loves hockey. He's a huge hockey fan, which I do one day would love to go to a hockey game just because I hear that it's so entertaining to go to. Um, better to watch it in person than it is to see it in television. Yeah, that's what I always hear when it comes to, say, hockey. And I will say that I feel that way, too, about bas- uh, not basketball, sorry, baseball. Um, I love baseball. Well, I was going to say that when I played sports when I was younger, baseball was the sport that I actually liked playing the most out of all of them and the one that I felt I was good at. Um, And I don't necessarily like watching baseball on TV, but I've been to Yankee Stadium like probably 10 plus times, and I enjoy it then in that setting. So it is one of those things where you have to be there in person. I can get that. Like, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But your family is a fairly, um, like, sports-friendly people, right? Well, yeah, because, you know, it's like my little brother does football all the time, and it's like, you know, and they're really into football. But for me, personally, I just really liked baseball growing up. And I, I think it was also easier for me to understand as a kid while football was like, you have this going on, you have this. You have, I, like, I'm like, I don't know what – it's all Can these I words you, I don't understand. Can I tell you I still don't understand football? Um okay, not, either. not that I watch it ever, but I've been to I've been to a handful of Super Bowl parties and even though I'm mostly um paying attention to the commercials and the beer and the food, you know, you do end up watching the game a bit and I still have no idea what's happening. Um but as far but to me baseball's super simple, right? You hit the ball, you try and run around the bases, but you could get tagged out, right? It's, like, so simple. And in a sense, I think basketball is a little simple. They, of course, have their little, you know, complications too. But football just to me seems so confusing. (laughs) 
I know, I, I, my dad must want to kill me sometimes when we're watching football, and I'll be like, what's going on? Why was that important? <laughs> what's this doing? And he's probably like, gosh darn it, Britt. You got eyes, use them. But, you know, sports really are universal. I believe soccer, um, called football in other countries, um, is probably one of the most universal games. So, I mean, sports brings people together. Um, and, yeah, so we're doing the top ten sports movies this week. I think it's going to be fun. Of course, I do kind of chuckle that it's, like, too really because I'm not a sports person. I don't really believe you are, although I you just said that you like baseball, but I don't hear you talk very much about sports. I know. It's just, it's not something, like, I seek out. But it is funny. It's like, I do like sports movies. Yeah. I do like sports movies. But my only problem is I'm, like, sitting there, I'm like, man, some of these I haven't watched in so long. So if I ever flounder, Tia, catch me. It's perfectly fine. But before we get to the list, you know that we always have to give our friends over at Stranger Damies a shout-out um, by Anthony, Mark, and Dan. It's a real play D&D player podcast. So Dungeons & Dragons are super popular, guys. I mean, it's been around for decades now. If you love Stranger Things, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they do their show every single Wednesday. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. They just love what they do. I know that they spend a lot of time thinking about the um i don't know the actual technical terms but you know what i'm saying like the dungeon master and they come up with the campaigns and all that i know that they, yeah and they spend a lot of time thinking about that and it's a lot of fun i know they enjoy doing it so make sure that you check them out they're great people and you can also check out their main channel main damey which also has their other podcast called they call this a movie which is fantastic they're just great if you love D D, if you love dungeons and dragons and you want to listen to a podcast where just these three guys just have a shit ton of fun doing it make sure you check them out and make sure you tell them that tia sent you so yeah please check them out that's awesome um Brittany, let's dive right into this freaking podcast start us off with your number 10 on our top 10 best sports movies i'm gonna go real quick with because i don't want to put it too far on the list but because i've seen it a million times and i love it but i do feel bad that the guy it's about is kind of like he's not a huge fan of this movie, and I'm going to go with uh, The Blind Side, which I'm sure you've seen this too. So I've seen it once, and of course it's very good. I very much enjoyed it, but I will have to probably lean on you to explain it more. Because The Blind Side is about basically the Tuies uh, are this family, and they're a rich family. They're a rich white family, and uh, – you know, their daughter goes to school, and I think she's in high school, and uh, Michael, the main character, he w- has been in foster care, and he ends up, uh, you know, he's at the school, and, well, I'm trying to just, like, kind of skip through it, because I'm sure plenty of people have seen it. Basically, they end up adopting Michael, but the thing is, is they start realizing that Michael is really good at football, and it does, like, and and, you know, and they're big football fans, and I think, like, they're really, they, uh, they're huge fans of, they live in Texas, right? I think that was the thing, is they wanted him to play for Texas, because that was their football team, something like that. 
but uh, they weren't going to push him. And Michael is just very sweet. He's very, he's a very, he's a very large man, especially uh, at that age, even though he's in high school. But they end up adopting him. But it does raise the question, you know, where they do get investigated, but because there can be issues from a white family adopting a black child because some people believe that uh, that they're only doing it because he is good at football. And mm-hmm. so that was like one thing. Uh, I think the, the guy that it's about, Michael, he, uh, I think it's Orr. I'm, I was trying to like look at his last name. I believe I was, it's Orr as well. You know, and I think what he didn't like about the movie is that they did make him very timid, almost very soft-spoken. Mm -hmm. almost like meek and I think he was just basically like hey I wasn't like that you know it wasn't so like you know oh I'm just so quiet or just a quiet soul but I did really enjoy the movie because it was kind of like I always love movies where they oh I I think it was like that he had they almost like insinuated that he had never touched a football before that point or something like that and that like he was like no I did but you'll somebody will have to correct me on it but I just like that always a movie where there's a character who has had a rough life and they they're really skilled in football and that you know just them learning themselves learning how good they are and everybody just like that shock and awe when they first play and they're like oh my god did you see him you know those kind of movies and I do love movies where like you know you're adopted by another family you know very like people realizing how I don't know how important it is. And I think it's like, for me, it's like, you know, my cousins are adopted. And so I love adoption movies, like, because like families finding each other, even though they were not particularly like born from each other and how much it can mean. Cause it's like me personally, I would love to adopt. And so I do love movies like that. But, um, Oh, there was something else I was going to say on it. Oh, and also Miss Tui, uh, whenever like, she has this freak out moment on like her quote unquote other like rich friends that are basically like, Oh, are you sure you trust Michael around your daughter? And she's like, what's that supposed to mean? Because oh, basically, I do remember that. I remember that. They were racist and thought, you know, just cause he was black that he shouldn't be trusted around her daughter and her having that moment where she like completely cuts them off. Because, yeah, um, so I, I did really like that part of the movie, too. But I've probably seen this movie in school a million times, Tia, in high school, <laughs> where any time the teachers had a time where they're like, oh, I don't really want to teach. You know, let's just watch a movie. It was always the blind side, Tia, <laughs> the blind side. Teachers are obsessed with the blind side. <laughs> um, what's going to call it? So. I only saw The Blind Side once, but the one scene that really sticks out to me was, um, and I hate that there was this whole, not anything bad towards the movie, you know, but I hated that there was this whole underlying of can Michael be trusted? Because I feel like that, that was there for a while in the movie, not just, say, with the daughter scene, right? Um, And, but the moment that I think really just kind of squashed maybe those negative thoughts in Sandra Bullock's like mind, her character's mind. Um, Remember the scene where Michael was driving and he had the younger brother in the passenger seat and he got into a car accident. Right. And I think 
like that was a big hoopla over that or something. But then they realized that there were, um, I guess, burn marks on Michael's arm from where where he put his arm over the younger child so that when the um, airbag deployed, it hit his arm, pretty much showing, like, you know, he cared about him because his first reaction was to put his arm over, you know, that's, like, something a mom does, right? Yeah, when you're driving and they, like... Mom has that's done a mom. that to me so many times. Oh, my God, me too. Sure <laughs> the same. Oh, yeah, my mom has done that, like, all the time. She probably does that now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. But I'm just saying that, like, that scene stood out to me because I think that was a scene where they maybe it clicked that Michael cares about this family and Michael, you know, cared about his younger brother. So, yes, he got into a car accident because maybe he was younger and just learning to drive and blah, blah, blah. But his first reaction was to make sure that his younger brother was okay. Um, and I think that scene stood out the most to me in The Blind Side. I don't know. It's just like, it, uh, if you don't, it's one of those movies that if you don't look overly deep into it, it's like a very good movie just to like sit and relax with your family and feel good. But it, there's definitely things you could say about the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't know that the real um, Michael disliked the movie. I think he disliked the direction they took it, like uh, like just the way that they made him seem in it. He um, did very meek. I do remember that he was very soft-spoken in the film. Because if you see the guy in real life, because I think I've looked him up before, because I was like, oh, I wonder what his life has been like. I think like he does seem like a very, like, excited person like very uh boisterous yeah and so that's why i was like i'll have to look more into it and somebody can correct me when they hear it i just i'm trying to remember it was like people could definitely criticize the film but at face value it was i don't know i just i enjoyed it but then again i haven't watched it as an adult but i've watched it a million times as a kid yeah and you are like so allowed to like it even if maybe it wasn't the most accurate you know like it's it's a movie even though it was supposed to be you know almost a telling of a real person not almost but you know telling a real person that still doesn't mean that you know you're not allowed to like it just because maybe it got some things wrong yeah and i just like i also really really like uh oh what's her name i can't think of it right now sandra bullock Yes, I love Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I love her too. I mean, I there's not really. They did say that they really liked about the movie. The family was like that Sandra Bullock. They felt like she was spot on. I think I like most of the movies that she's in. Um, oh, that I, was I, that one movie with uh, Scott Scoop McNary. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Oh my god, what was that? Oh, um, ah. Uh... It, our brand is crisis that was great but she's also been um you know in a ton of movies i mean the movie that she was in where she played like a drug addict or an alcoholic and like steve buscemi was in it i mean that was great she was in this funny comedy a few years ago with melissa mccarthy i just think i just think she's neat so <laughs> i feel like that's something a mother says <laughs> i like her you know I, th- I think she's good you know um they you probably think she's neat 
I think she's neat. But great way to start off the list. I'll get the next one. So mine is, like, so not a serious one at all. Um, It's probably a really stupid one. But I don't know why I love this movie so much, especially when it came out. I don't know if I like it now because I haven't seen it in a few years. So maybe it's one of those things where it needs to stay in my mind as, like, a funny-ass movie. But it is a sports movie. But it's a comedy, really. Um, and you're going to laugh. It's Talladega Nights. <laughs> oh, my God. That's such a good way. It's technically sports. It's technically nice. sports. Technically sports, Tia. We didn't say that there was any sort of stipulation where it had to be a serious movie for this. <laughs> um, go, go ask any Southerner if uh, NASCAR is a sport and they'll tell you yes, Tia. So it, it, I'm here for it. <laughs> My dad loves NASCAR. It doesn't make sense. We live in New York. I don't know why he's obsessed so much <laughs> with it, but he loves NASCAR. Um, for years, he kept trying to get me to, like, go down to NASCAR with him. And he's like, you got to just go to a race. I and it's like... your dad liking NASCAR. It's like, just so weird. Your dad's an interesting character. Yes. But anytime I think of NASCAR, I think of the uh, comedian... What was his name? The guy with the puppets who was like, they're making a left turn. Oh my God! Uh, oh, oh, oh um, I know you're talking about Jeff Dunham or something like Jeff that. Jeff Dunham, yes, yes, yes. But anyway, so go go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just saying. Remember when? Like, I feel like like in the same age, I haven't been able to watch comedians as much, and I feel like there was a time with like Larry the Cable Guy and all of them. Like, all those were so big, and now you don't hardly hear about any of them. That is very true. By the way, I loved those guys. The the the, the Larry the Cable guy, uh, Jeff Foxworthy. I loved you all You might of them. be a redneck. Yeah. You might be. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought they were so funny. The Jeff Foxworthy had, you might be a redneck if your family tree doesn't have any branches. <laughs> oh, shit. Of course the fucking New Yorker likes the fucking redneck. Get out of here, Tia. Get out of here. Oh, my God. Anyway, anyway. Um, So Talladega Nights, um, you know, it starred Will Ferrell, and I think kind of Will Ferrell in his heyday. Um, And he plays this NASCAR driver, and he's, like, super just great at it. He's, like, the best NASCAR driver of all time. Um, And he has this, like, friendship with um, John C. Riley's character, and they're just, like, two idiots in a pod, if that makes sense. Um, And, you know, we'll the shake and bake. That's what I'm saying. I love this fucking movie. You know, and they're so rich and, like, they're so ridiculous. The scene where he's, like, praying to baby Jesus and they're like, why baby Jesus? And he's like, when it's your time to pray, you pray whatever Jesus you want. I pray baby Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my God. That movie. I I probably watched it a million times with my parents. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. So, you know, long story short, you know, they're like this you know, this uh, the typical what you would think of a NASCAR driver being, right? And then you have Sasha Baron Cohen's character who comes in, who I think he's from France. Um, and, you know, you got to think of the times that when Talladega Nights came out, this wasn't that far from, say, 9-11. And why I mention that is, you know, there was a time in world history for all you youngins that, 
America went to war and France decided not to join them, which I never thought was that big of a deal. But uh, people freaked the fuck out and they were like, we're no longer calling them French fries. They're freedom fries. Um, you know, I, I remember that time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents literally went to St. Martin where half of it is French. Right. And, yeah. lit- and literally having to like the French people there having to ensure like hey americans don't hate us right you know like that's our government so you know you have to think of a time that this was happening right so you have uh talladega nights nascar very american very southern american and then you have this driver who's from france who is um you know a driver over there coming in and it's just like the symbolism of it right a french driver coming in and like he dominates the field right he's just so fucking good because i forget what they call them over there like formula one drivers i think yeah i think so they're like they are like souped up they don't they don't go in circles uh well they do but they have like different kind of track it's not an oval yeah exactly so you know he's a very skilled driver and there's this one scene i love like they're in a bar or something and freaking I think his, like, Sasha Baron Cohen's character is saying, like, you know, tell me one thing that, like, Americans actually have invented. And every single thing they a name, his character's like, no, the French invented that. The Germans invented that. Like, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, long story short, Will Ferrell's character goes through this sort of existential crisis because not only is his biggest rival beating him he's kind of washed up and his best friend is now like banging his wife so it's just like this they were whole... treating his friend like crap like not letting him ever win they were supposed to be taking turns oh yeah 100 that was supposed to be the whole point of the shake and bake and you know will ferrell's character never um you know freaking uh, held that up but it was so funny so before i switch over to you i'm going to tell you a few of my favorite scenes in this whole thing right the fact that his whole thing was with his dad where it's like if you're not first you're last and then his dad coming back into the picture but his dad's the kind of guy that can never have like a nice life he always has to stir shit up and literally like calling the cops on his son to say that he has like cocaine in his car so that will ferrell's character will drive faster freaking um the end of the movie where the two of them just run to the finish line, not even race is just so hilarious to me. And then at the end when John C. Riley's character is like, I guess it's time for shake and bake or something. And he's like, no, it's time for the magic man, whatever he calls himself. And he goes, an El Diablo. And he's like, the other character's like, what does that mean, man? And Will Ferrell is like, I don't know, it's Spanish for, like, fighting chicken or something. <laughs> oh, my like, God. I such, like, freaking, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I cried so hard from laughter from Talladega Nights. I thought it was hilarious. So, yes. You make me ta- want to rewatch it. I've been dying <laughs> to rewatch it again, and now I definitely want to rewatch it. Yeah, it's just so great. I, I want to rewatch it as well. But what did you think of Talladega Nights, Brittany? Oh my gosh, there's so many things I still quote where it's like, I'm going to be on you like a spider monkey. Like, I'm <laughs> sure, and my little brother used to say that all the time, because obviously, you know, little kids are. And then also, uh, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. 
I still say that when somebody like says something where I'm like, you're gonna jinx me, you motherfucker. It's like that freaking I don't know. It's just such a good movie. I think it's because it's like like zero stress. And you know me. I, I have enough stress in my life. I don't wanna I'm not a big fan of watching movies that cause me duress. So that movie, it gets me. I just love the ending of it so much where it's like they're racing and their cars all fuck up and you're like, oh, that's the end of it. And it's like, no, they literally just start like running to the sound of We Belong playing in the background. It's so ridiculous, but so funny as shit. Um, and this also, I think, was like during the time of when uh, Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen was like getting really popular in America because I believe Borat had just come out around that time, so people just wanted him in things. So it was interesting to see him play along with Will Ferrell. Man, I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the same guy. Um, Whatchamacallit it? Yeah, no, uh, that that's definitely the same guy. But, um, yeah, I love Talladega Nights, so I'd love if those who are listening also tell me if they love Talladega Nights. Um, but, Brittany, let's move on. What's your number eight? Um, my number eight. So you inspired me with uh, funniness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I freaking love Waterboy. Oh, my God. So long since I've seen that. <laughs> it came out in 1998. I feel like that was like Adam Sandler like heyday. Hey, yes. <laughs> it's like another one of those movies where you have the guy that's like never played football, but suddenly he's just freaking amazing at it. So you know, Bob, so Bobby, who's a 31 year old stuttering boy, which I'm kind of like using Wikipedia to help like refresh my memory, but. So he believes that his father died of dehydration, so he's always having this thing about, like, oh, maybe should people hydrate, and he is the local high school. I think it's still high school at this point. No, or is it the college? Let me see. Either way, you know, he's the water boy there, and I think their team isn't great. He's just kind of, like, dealing with it. Uh, no, okay, he does it. He does it for the University of Louisiana, because I think he lives in the swamp. But, uh, so he ends up, like, I'm trying to remember that, like, what makes him just, like, run. Oh, he tackles him. Oh, because he has, like, this unbridled rage. Like, he's such a spoken boy. He, he's very, like, kind. But I think it's, like, when he has something make him snap, he, like, he has all that rage and he, like, tackles. Because I think even at some point when he first tackles a guy, he feels so bad. Uh, that's why there's that point where Red, the coach, that's, like, seeing that he's so good, is, like, he's, like, oh, you know, you got to really, like, tap into that. And he starts seeing that coach's face everywhere where he's, like, he's, like, what? Or sucks. It really, really sucks. And he's, like, no. And it's, like, he's, like, Gatorade. <laughs> I don't know if you remember <laughs> any of that. But he starts, just like, and, like, trying to say Gatorade was better. But basically, uh, for him to be able to go to school there, he needs to go to college. But the thing is, is that he's supposed to not be uh, the smartest kind of guy, which I, I have to be careful saying that because it was a different time for probably what they were trying to imply about him, if that yeah. makes sense. And so, like, but he's just so funny, so soft-spoken. But his mom is like, women are the devil. And she's like, 
And it's like, why are alligators so mean? Because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. And I don't know. It's just, it was so funny. And him, like, his mom overprotective and, like, not wanting him to do football because she don't want him to get hurt. She doesn't want him dating women because women are of the devil, Tia. They're of the devil, which I think we can both say that is true. Uh, Uh, Excuse you. Okay, so you're just the devil. Sorry, I, I needed to make sure. No, <laughs> but um, the whole movie is just—I don't know. It's cute. It's funny. You know, Bobby's great. Just seeing how like him being this like great football star. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Apparently, and him, like, actually getting really educated uh, while he's at college, and it's, like, because he's really struggling at first, and he gets a girlfriend who's, like, a real bad girl, but she likes Bobby, because, you know, (laughs) and, like, trying to, like, convince his mom not to be so overprotective. I don't know. The whole movie's just fun, and I love Adam Sandler. It's just great. I feel as if that was a common theme in, say, Adam Sandler's movies maybe back in the day because that also kind of is like, say, Happy Gilmore, right? Um, He's suddenly this actually really great, fantastic golf player. Um, But so I have only seen Waterboy probably once back in the day, but I do remember a lot of the things that you're saying to me. Remind me, wasn't Kathy Bates the mother? Oh, the mom was, uh, let me see, his mom, I'm trying to see, because, uh, I just saw it where it should have said it, uh, yeah, Kathy Bates is the mom, she plays Helen, or Mama. I love that those are the things that I remember, but, um, yeah, this is definitely Adam Sandler's heyday, um, and I feel like Waterboy was definitely one of his, like, more iconic roles. Um, I completely forgot that the whole thing was that what he thought his father died of, like, <laughs> dehydration. By the way, I got it wrong. The coach wasn't red. It was Coach Klein, because it was Henry Winkler. Oh, my God. It was... <laughs> I have to go back and rewatch that because Adam Sandler's old movies were the best. I know, they really were. It's just it was a different like time for movies where it was just like they were just so goofy. It's just the I I feel like that's what we need a lot more of. But I feel like I feel like comedy's not been a big like seller lately. No, because I feel like just as so you know how for a while, um you know, horror movies really weren't that popular because it felt like they just had no new 
was until maybe A Quiet Place came out and Get Out and all that. And so that kind of was like all of a sudden the reemergence in horror because people were doing it differently. Like Invisible Man just came out last year and people really loved it because it was a different take, you know? So maybe that's how it is with comedy where it's like, okay, we've, we've like said all the things that are funny. Um, we need to just maybe rework what funny is. Um, because I mean, we do need comedies. We need to laugh. Things are hella depressing lately. We need some funniness up in here. Yeah, and that's why I wonder if, like, Will Ferrell is that we haven't seen him in a ton of stuff lately, because it's just, like, I feel like, like, it's kind of, like, the reason why we, right now, are in such, like, a comic book hero time, and now we're starting to go into the video games. I just feel like there's a certain time for each, like, genre. Yes, exactly. But I love you putting Waterboy down. This is what I'm saying. Like, we didn't say anything about this list. That had to all be serious movies, right? So we could put some comedies down. So I like this trend of the Talladega Nights and the Waterboy. I think it's very good. I just love Waterboy. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, it's just a, such a feel-good movie where it's like nothing really bad happens. Like, yeah, they're stressful. Like, can you see the common themes? I don't like being stressed out to you. I, I understand that. Um, what I think we were recording already when we were talking about WandaVision, and Brittany's like, is it stressful? <laughs> no, I think I, I think we did that part off recording. And oh, part did we? <laughs> okay, well, uh, yes, I know. Brittany doesn't like stress. But um, let's move on to number seven now. Honestly, this movie should be lower. I mean, or hot. You know what I'm saying. It should be, like, more towards the one Right, but I don't want you to take it, <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> so it's gonna be Rocky Four. Is that on your list? Uh, not that one. Okay, good, 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 good. There you go. So Rocky Have Four. The same movie twice, like in the same universe. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, shit. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, to be honest, I feel like all the Rocky movies are good. I think the only Rocky movie that necessarily wasn't that great was Rocky Five with his son. Um, but as a fa- so, you know, I say this all the time. I grew up being, you know, heavily influenced by my grandparents. You know, they watched me a lot, and so obviously, I watched a lot of classic movies with them. Rocky being one of them, um, and I really like the story of Rocky, but Rocky Four to me, in my mind, is the best out of all the Rocky movies. So you have Sylvester Stallone's character as Rocky, right? Um, and the whole thing is, at this point, he's been established right as a boxer. Um, he's friends with Apollo, who was formerly his rival. You know, we've seen all this, right? So that's the backstory. But, you know, Apollo is still, Apollo Creed is still kind of like a showboat, you know? like, And that was his thing even in the first two movies we saw, right? He's like an entertainer, even though he's also a boxer, right? So he's doing like this event where he's supposed to go up against Ivan Drago, this, you know, massive Russian. You have to remember this is during, like, you know, the 80s. It's during, you know, uh, the post-Cold War era. It's when Russia and the United States were still having dick-measuring contests and everything. So, you know, very much part of the course, right? 
and Ivan Drago played by Dolph Lundgren, it's like he's super serious. Even though Apollo is sitting there, not sitting there, but he's like kind of dancing around. He's having fun because I think wasn't it even supposed to be like a charity thing? Like I don't even think yeah, he was yeah, supposed was to be a serious. It like, wasn't supposed to be a serious match. Talk about how Tia has the hots for him. Oh, one, not Apollo Creed. Um, uh, what should I call Ivan Drago? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm not even gonna sit there and deny She's it. She's not even ashamed. She's like not yep. even ashamed. Like Dolph Lundgren still is brolic as hell to this day. Did I ever tell you? Apparently, there was a story where like, um. Ivan Drago's uh, house was broken into, like, when he wasn't there, but the robbers, like, apparently saw that it was, uh, like, his house they broke into, and they got scared shitless and left. I don't know how true that is, That's but that was just fucking funny if it's true. But anyway, in the movie, it's like Apollo Creed and Ivan Drago go head-to-head in a match that wasn't even supposed to be a serious boxing match. And what does Ivan Drago do? He punches Apollo so fucking hard that he dies. Um, He literally dies. And, like, that's the famous line where, like, they're all sitting there. They're scrambling. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, what if Apollo's dead? And and they interview, and he's like, if he dies, he dies. (laughs) Like, such a chilling Senate. See, I, like, I have such good feel-good moments with Rocky in general. Which, by the way, why do they always play Rocky around Christmas? Like that. I mean, the play uh, Rocky for around Christmas. Can we talk about that? Maybe because it's like wintry. I don't know. But um, so at this point, Apollo Creed is dead. Rocky's friend is dead, and Rocky decides that he's going to train super hard, and he's going to go to Russia to kick Ivan Drago's ass, right? And you find out throughout the movie that, you know, Ivan Drago is taking steroids. That's why he's so fucking brolic. You know, they're, like, training super crazy and all that. And he gets to Russia. And I'm, like, speeding up things, like, a lot, right? But he gets to Russia, and he gets into the freaking ring. And, again, there's so many great lines, like, because they keep going against each other. Rocky's not stopping, even though, like, he, you know, is probably... In stature, he's he's shorter than Ivan Drago. He's less muscular than Ivan Drago. He's probably less strong than Ivan Drago, but he keeps going. And there's that one line where Ivan Drago's like, he is not man, he's machine. What you calls in. So eventually Rocky defeats Ivan Drago and like the victorious moment in the movie is the crowd that's a Russian crowd that was previously cheering for Ivan starts cheering for the American Rocky, thus, you know, pushing the narrative even more that America kicks Russia's ass. Um, no, you know? she, she is like, she's going to start sh- shouting like USA. <laughs> start seeing the Star Spangled Banner. Um, no, but oh, I love I love this movie. I don't know why, because I just think it's great. I I love Ivan Drago's character. I love the tragedy of it. Right? I mean, this is Rocky. It's like it's a feel good movie, but it's also serious. I mean, to have a character like Apollo Creed, who is so ingrained in the Rocky mythos, to be killed. So quickly on in the movie and in such, like, a crazy way because you're like, shit, that was insane. Um, So you have that. You have – and I believe at this point Rocky had retired. So it's like Rocky having to, like, avenge his friend going to Russia to do it. Um, You know, and crazy fun fact, 
um, in this. So remember in Rocky Four, um, Ivan Drago's wife, like uh, you know, I don't know if you remember seeing his wife at all, but she had like short blonde hair. Um, that actress, that actress, Brigitte Nielsen, who went on to date Flavor Flav. Um, oh my god! At the time of Rocky Four, was married to Sylvester Stallone. So I always think that's it. I always think that's interesting when you have like a movie and the guy's wife is dating someone else in the movie. If that makes sense, it's maybe, like, maybe it's like the inspiration to get good. You know what I mean? Like, I guess. Like, um, I don't know if have you seen Clerks too? We, you are the one that showed me all the Clerks. Okay, so in Clerks two, the main character Dante is engaged to that one woman right in the movie yeah. and, and in real life that's kevin smith the director's wife so i always just think that's funny <laughs> I don't else know. Did that. there's somebody else that did that and oh. every time i'm like i'm like i don't oh. know like actors go on a different level because they do sometimes some things that i'm like i don't know if i'd be i don't know if i'd be okay with that <laughs> I think in Peaky Blinders, the horse trainer. Yes, Peaky Blinders. That's what I was thinking of. Yes, 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 yes. 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 The, hor- the horse trainer that um, Tommy ends up hooking up with is actually Tom Hardy's wife in real life. And it's like, and Tom Hardy was wow. in the show. Yeah. I, yeah, um, actors are definitely on a different level because you're like, oh, here I am. There's my wife, and she's making out with someone else. But it's okay because the camera's rolling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and, vice versa, and vice versa as well. You know, it's like, oh, there's my husband, and he's kissing some other girl. But it's for the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, it's it's acting. but it's um, acting. Acting. Uh, actors. But anyway, what did you think of Rocky Four? Again, uh, all the Rockies are good. Um, I feel like one Rocky they don't talk about a lot is Rocky Three with Mr. T, which I actually thought was a pretty good movie. But I, I loved Rocky Four. To me, out of all the Rockies, it's definitely the best. You know, it's funny. It's I remember when the one was Mr. T the most because you're gonna laugh at me. I've never seen Rocky Four in its entirety. Ugh. That kills me, Brittany. That kills me. It's the best Rocky. I know it isn't. Like Aaron says the same thing. My dad says the same Everyone thing. Everyone says the same thing. It's a universally understood thing. I watched the H3H3 podcast and they talked about how Rocky Four was the best Rocky. It's a universally agreed upon thing. Like that could honestly stop. Oh my God, I've, I've Brittany, made her mad. This could start. Like, this could end a war. Like all you need to do. Like if we have fighting countries, just get the oh leaders God. together. And be like which Rocky. They'd both be like Rocky Four, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, we're friends we're now." We're not so different after all. <laughs> we're not so different after all. We both love Rocky Four. I'm just saying, it's the best Rocky. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, look what I've started. Okay, the reason why, the reason why I have not seen it in its entirety. Wait, you love Russians. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you love big, scary Russians. This is a thing. If, call me out if like you, that. If you, you need to know any. If you need to know anything about Britney, she loves big, scary Russians. It has a big, scary Russian in it. <laughs> I know. I'm pathetic. I know. I know. I know, Tia. But uh, my reason, okay, so really quick, really quick. The reason why I haven't seen it in its entirety is because uh, 
so my dad would always watch them, and I loved watching them. But we, but when they would come on on TV, they would always come on in order, right? And so we would have to go through the order, and by that time, I'd either be asleep. So then when I was older, when I was older, when I was in uh, at my community college, we had, you could do extra credit. It was in a class I didn't need even extra credit in, by the way. I just wanted to do it. Where we sat and had to watch. They said you had to stay there the entire time, but watch every Rocky movie in its entirety. But but we got up to, like, the end of the third one, and they were like, okay, y'all can go home now. <laughs> and so I never got to Rocky four. I know if he dies, he dies, and all that. (laughs) I feel like it's impossible to not repeat that quote when you hear it. It's just a thing. To to me, I feel like that quote is as, it's on the level of Arnold Schwarzenegger going, I'll be back in, you know, the Terminator. (laughs) Like, it's on the, if he dies, he dies. I don't know. I just love training montages, Tia. Yes, that too. Oh my God, Rocky Four has the most epic training montage with Rocky getting prepared to go to fucking Russia to fuck up Ivan Drago. <laughs> like, if you love training montages, it, it has the training it, montage. You like training watch montage. them too while he's training, and like he has to like he like shakes them off because they can't keep up with them to watch him. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um. It's just an epic fucking movie, all right? Like, it's I can't. <laughs> well, I can still watch it in its entirety, so Tia will be off my dick about it. It's so good. It's the best Rocky. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the best Rocky. He's no. about to go on the, he loved her enough to let her go uh, level. <laughs> I don't know. I... I just really respect what Sylvester Stallone does when it comes to the Rocky franchise. I've never really watched the Rambo franchise, so I can't tell you that. Uh, which probably gets us canceled right now because people love. I don't. I don't know what people love more, like the Rocky or the Rambo franchise. I love the Rocky, like you know, franchise more, but I feel like people love the Rambo franchise, but. You know, I don't know. I think it's really cool that Sylvester Stallone, like, made his first script for the first movie while he was, like, living out of a car or some shit like that. You know? Almost at that point, wasn't he? That's why he did that porno. Because he was about to be homeless. the Italian Stallion. The Italian Stallion. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) All right. But anyway, um, Rocky IV definitely is number seven. Brittany. What's your number six? Well, now that we're on this note, I'm going with Creed. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, I have, so now I have a confession to make. Yeah. Don't you yell at me. You've never seen Rocky Four in its entirety. <laughs> All right? Don't you yell at me. All right? But, um... I know. My mom and dad yell at me all the time because they loved Creed. Loved Creed. And it's not like I don't want to watch it. It's just like I've never gotten the chance to sit down and watch it, you know? But it's like I know somewhat of the premise. But go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like this is really what put, uh, oh, what's his name? Michael is B. It- Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. I, that's what was getting me. I was like, Michael Jordan? I was like, no, that doesn't sound right. Because that sounds There's like to be like the in the middle. player, right? <laughs> Not the basketball player. Just put the B in there. <laughs> That's why I was like my brain got confused. 
basically, you know, he's the son of Apollo. But the thing is, I think he was, like, the illegitimate child of Apollo. Like, not through, like, who uh, Apollo was married to in the other movies. And I feel like some people had issues with that. But basically, he's wanting to become a boxer, but he doesn't want to rely on his name. And I'm going to cut through a lot of things just for, like, the sake of not talking your ear off. Basically, he wants to make a name for himself without people knowing he's Apollo's child, right? And the whole thing is that I think he he wants to go work out at, like, so Apollo's, like, original, like, workout area where it's hard to get into. Uh, you know, it's very, like, closed off now. Not just anybody can come in there, which I feel like that was a part of, like, the first Rocky is Rocky couldn't find uh, – a place to really work out or anybody that would really take him under his wing, right? Because he was just kind of a loose cannon, just, like, street fighting at that point, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, basically not the greatest of events. So Apollo, uh, I mean, sorry, Creed, he uh, he ends up finding Rocky, and I think Rocky's the one that takes him under his wing and is like, okay, I'm going to teach you. He basically becomes, like, a surrogate father to him because I believe he gets adopted. Uh, uh, so Creed gets adopted by Apollo's wife from the other movies, right? And even though he's the illegitimate son, I think she still was like, "You're still his son," and you know she still wanted to care for him because I think something is up happening to his mom where he's in the foster care system, and so he kind of grows up wealthier at that point. At least that's how I remember it. But there is a part in the movie that I love. Do you remember when Apollo and uh, Rocky have that fight and nobody ever knew who won? He's like, ding, ding. (laughs) That's like, spoiler alert, Rocky does say who won that fight, and he said Apollo won. Uh, I love that. I love touching upon that. Yeah, but it's just basically, it's Creed, I keep wanting to call him Apollo, Creed just wanting to make a name for himself without his father's name because I felt like he also felt like if people are like, oh, this is Paulo's son, they would really lift him up and he wouldn't be taken as seriously because it's like, oh, you're just going off your father's name now. So I don't know. I just love it. No, I have to definitely watch it um, because from, you know, it, it spawned its own franchise, right? It was so successful that now they can just do creeds, right? You don't have to do where, oh, God, you know, as much as we love Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, it's like, oh, God, you know, this, like, 70-year-old guy still boxing. It just doesn't make sense. So instead, um, you go with someone like Michael B. Jordan to carry on the Apollo name because it's almost like, um, what you call this it? It's honoring, you know, the character Apollo um, and also kind of also putting respect to the name, right? Because even though Apollo was a very good boxer, he also was kind of like, as I said, a showboat and did a lot of like more not so serious things. So now you have like Michael B. Jordan's character who's like making a way of like this is, you know, he's a serious boxer, Um I mean, I think you're right that this movie franchise definitely did catapult him even further into the public eye. Because I feel like I didn't know who Michael B. Jordan was until I watched this movie. I don't feel like a lot of people did. So you have that. Um, I believe Tessa Thompson is also in these movies, right? Uh, Let me look real quick. I can very quickly tell you. Um, 
Sylvester Stallone is in it, Tessa Thompson, Felicia yeah. Rashad, or Rashad, Rashad, Andre Ward, Wood Harris, and Florian Montanu, Montanu, I don't, I, his name's hard. Um, so Tessa Thompson, you know, is the one who plays Valkyrie in the Marvel movie. Oh so. my god, I didn't put that together! Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Um, and I heard that the second Creed is when um, Apollo Creed's son goes head-to-head with Ivan Drago's son. Yes, yes. God, they gave him Rocky's, like, you're going to bite off more than you can chew, kid. <laughs> Which that, like, made me really want to watch it, because, again, going with the Rocky Four theme, but I'm like, ah, oh, i got to watch the first Creed before I watch the second Creed. So i got to just sit down and actually watch it. Um, and I know as soon as my mom hears so she's going to go, yes, Tia. Yes, you have to watch it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I hear your mother's voice. Don't go against the family. <laughs> Don't go against the family. But, um, no, I mean, I think this is great. I think that a lot of people would agree with you um, that Crete, like, my parents say it, too, but I heard a lot of people who were mad that Michael B. Jordan didn't get nominated for his role in Creed. Um. Because oh, man. He, deserved it so bad. he deserved it so much. So, I mean, it it definitely, it's a great franchise, the Rocky franchise. And it's like, how do you keep it going? Because, again, you can't have it with, with Sylvester Stallone as, you know, the person forever. Old. Exactly. So, instead, um, you know, then you just bring in someone new. And I think that Michael B. Jordan's a great leading person. And so better for him to lead a franchise like this. And he has a lot of possibilities to keep it going. And I feel like there's such a tie to Apollo as a character. Yeah, I'm telling you, tell me you did not cry your eyes out. Cause I knew, by the way, keep in mind, I had always seen the scene where Apollo dies. I just haven't seen the movie in its entirety, but crying whenever Apollo dies because he was his best friend. Also, when uh freaking Rocky's trainer, what's his name? When he dies, do you know how many times I've died in the Rocky franchise? Right, I cried when um freaking uh, Apollo died. I cried when Mick. I think his name was Mick. Mick or Mickey? I can't. It, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, his wife dies. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna mention that in Balboa, which I thought was very good. I liked Balboa because again, it's like. Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, great. Rocky 5, not so great. And then Balboa came after that, right? I hate the and one I, with the sun. I haven't even that, fully seen it. I just know I don't like it. Yeah, that's the fifth one. It's terrible because he's a whiny asshole. Um, but the sixth one was just called Rocky Balboa, or I think just Balboa, right? Um, and that's the one where we find out Adrian's dead, and I was like, What? You killed Adrian? Adrian died? Adrian. 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 Oh, my God. And he's, like, there. Like, it, like, it got so serious. He's at the grave and telling her, you know, I wish you could see it, you know. And, like, Paulie is there, you know, and I hated fucking Paulie. I, I will tell you, if there's one character oh, I hated in their – I hated Adrian's brother. When he got jealous and he's, like – it's like, dude, do you want to, like, fuck your sister? Like, why are you he like hate, this? Yeah, he hated that, like, Rocky was with his sister, and it's like he was getting jealous, and I was like, this is weird. Yeah, um, he was 
jealous because, like, also because she he basically used her as, like, a freaking, like, housemaid. Yeah, it, we, no one ever talks about that, that Polly, like, kind of abused Adrian. Cause she was abused him, yes! She was, like, this really, like, timid, meek woman who did everything Polly wanted her to do, and then Rocky came, he's like, hey, you you know, you're really sexy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, kind of... But, you know, like, Rocky not only made her feel like a woman, gave her more confidence, you know, like, uh, God, I got to watch Rocky 1 again, because Rocky did definitely help Adrian when she was, be- she was being really, like, abused by Paulie. And you can tell that that, like, dynamic between Rocky and Paulie has always kind of been there, because, you know, it's never like they were the best of friends. I know, even though they're supposed to technically be best friends. And I think, didn't Paulie even say, I feel like in Balboa, Paulie even said something to um, Rocky along the lines of like, oh, I bet you kind of wish it was me who went first and not her, but now you're stuck with me. Something like that. I think he even acknowledges like, oh, you know, I'm the one you're stuck with out of the family. That's so sad. Yeah, I hate Adrian dying, but um, see, that's what I'm talking about. It's not just a boxing franchise. It's an emotional, heart-ripping-out franchise. That's what this is. (laughs) I didn't come here to cry. I came here to see epicness. Yeah, exactly, Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, man. Okay, sorry. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, Oh, my gosh. So I'm actually going to pick a movie that... It's another racing movie, and it's a movie that just came out, like, two years ago, and I really loved it. And I think I even mentioned it in last week's episode. Oh, my God, I already know what it is. Ford versus Ferrari. Hell, yeah. I think Ford versus Ferrari is fantastic. I don't think it even matters if you're into racing or not, because I'm certainly not. And I just think it's a great movie the way it was presented. To give anyone context, the director behind Ford vs. Ferrari directed Logan. Um, And we all know how good Logan was. Crazy. Yeah. So, you know, just to give everyone a rundown of the plot of Ford vs. Ferrari, um, there was at some point where Ford, the company, wanted to go up against the Ferrari company to win at the, like, Tour de France, pretty much, like, their big race, you know? Like, we talked before with Talladega Nights, like, Formula One, right? Um, So their big race, that's literally, say, like, 24 hours or 48 hours, right? And it's in a course, and it stretches, you know, and it goes across. You know, it's, like, huge, right? Yeah. So they wanted to find a way to win against Ferrari because Ferrari always won. And they're, like, you know, Ford cars are boring now um but we're we're supposed to be the staple of america so we gotta we gotta do better um and john bernthal's in it and of ibm like with uh halt and catch fire yeah like them trying to take down the giants that have always been so um you have john bernthal in it um and at first he you know is trying to get you know, someone to be involved in creating this car. So it's like they bring in Matt Damon's character to help design the car. So they're like, okay, we're designing a car to be super fast, but we need someone to drive it. And that's when they get 
Christian Bale's character and Christian Bale, and this is all based on a real life story. Christian Bale's character really did exist. Um, Christian Bale's character is like this hothead Brit, right? Who just doesn't take shit. He's like, oh, fuck off, you know, with things, right? And but he's an amazing driver. And you have this whole thing like with Ford. There's this other character, BB, who hates the guy because he's like he's not what Ford represents. And they're like, who gives a fuck if he's what Ford represents? He's the best driver out there, and he can drive, you know, this car. So, you know, long story short, it's just this really amazing movie about you know um, Christian Bale's character taking the whole reason why he even takes the job is because. Um, he is a racer, but because he's known so much for being a hothead, not a lot of places want to work with him, but he still has to provide for his family. So he knows that this is going to provide really well for his family. So um, so it's this whole, like, movie where there's also a tug and pull between, you know, constantly, like, getting the car right, um, getting it where, you know, he's allowed to race and blah, blah, blah. So anyway... Um, Spoiler alert, I'll wait two seconds for those who don't want to hear what happens in the movie, but I want to talk about what happens in the movie. So, spoiler alert, you ready for this, Brittany? (laughs) Uh, I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay, so they get to the big race, and it's time, right? And so you find out with this race, it's like he, his character isn't the only guy representing Ford, you know, in this race. But, I mean, he's like badass as hell he's driving you know it's amazing it's this great heart racing you know blah blah blah. so at some point um you know freaking whatchamacallit it uh at some point it's like it's him and two other four drivers right so it's like he could win you know he could win he could cross the finish line as number one and bb tells them like well you know he should slow down so that the three ford cars can cross the finish line at the same time it'll look great you know blah blah and it's like no like he's he wants to win why is he going to slow the car down you know and so it's this whole thing where it's like you know they tell him over the radio where they're like the you know matt damon's character's like the car's yours you know the car's yours like you make the decision what you want to do. And at first he's driving because he's like, you know, he wants to win. But then he thinks about how, because the whole movie is like people pointing out, like, you're so hothead. You only think about yourself, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like even his wife says it. And so he's like driving and he like, he literally slows down. He slows down enough for the other two Ford cars to catch up, to cross the finish line. But then you find out, that they don't count him as the winner because his car was just an inch behind no. the other car. You know? So he walks away from that not being the actual winner, even though we all know that he was the winner, you know? And then the really tragic fucking part about this whole entire goddamn movie, and this happens in real life, that the real guy dies in a test drive like a month or so later after that. This dude just got, like, a rough end of the stick, Tia. Like, the, the brakes don't work. And this was something that they point out in the, in the beginning of the movie. At some point, he's test driving. The brakes don't work. And he's like, you know, we got to fix that. We got to work on that. 
and the brakes don't fucking work and he crashes and he fu- the fucking car explodes. It's crazy. I, it's mean, I so like that they had to show that in the movie. You I, know, know. I know. I know. I was they go they just say hey you know and then later on you know we're all used to like the 80s like black screen with like the words scroll and they're like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I was expecting it's like you you could end because at the end right when he doesn't win the race he's in good spirits about it right because the movie also is a lot of like the relationship between Christian Bale's character and Matt Damon's character they have great chemistry together right so it's yeah. them like walking off together and like kind of just laughing over it you know like oh so when's the next race you know like really like cool so you're like that's how you end the movie right like that's how you end the movie and then you black screen it and you go unfortunately you know the guy fucking died in a in a test drive afterwards you know what's really gonna push this home we're gonna kill him in front of you (laughs) i was like wait what (laughs) what you're like, you're like, oh, well, I'm depressed. <laughs> you bastard. So anyway. You um, <laughs> So that's Ford versus Ferrari. And it is kind of cool because a lot of these characters, I mean, pretty much all these characters are based on real life people. Like John Bernthal's uh, character is Lee Iacocca, um, who like in the racing. And I've even heard Lee Iacocca mention in other things where it's like his whole thing was he brought together like all these huge talent for you know ford and that's like what he was known for people are like you know oh you could be like the lee iacocca of this you know so it's like he plays this character who at first you know seems like he's just kind of like a regular worker there but you know that like eventually he goes off to be a really big name or like matt damon's character was a huge name in racing so it's like i loved it And I walked away from that movie saying it doesn't matter if you're into racing or anything like that because I'm certainly not. But that's just a good freaking movie. It was just a great movie that was so well done with such amazing actors. And the thing was that Matt Damon and Christian Bale were billed the same. Like they both were kind of like leads. But that movie was Christian Bale's. That movie was 100% his like and and Christian Bale's done so many great performances throughout the years, and that's his movie. It's so good. Man, I don't. I would say there's doesn't he actually go with Christian Bale a lot? Like Matt Damon acts with him a lot. I'm not sure necessarily. Um, I remember but, who's known for playing with one another. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have been in a quite a bit of movies together, but Christian Bale and Matt Damon should certainly act a lot together. They're really good. I just, like, there's so many great things, like, again, with Matt Damon, like, you know when in movies a line is, like, earned? That line yeah. when, Matt, when Matt Damon says to Christian Bale, the car is yours, Ken, and I was like, hell yeah, it is. Yeah, it's- it is. And then you just cry, like you go to bed that night, and you're like, "Yeah, it was." It was. <laughs> I love this fucking movie. It's so good. It's just insanely good. It's touching. It's you know, there's payoffs, um, and it makes you like interested in the automotive like industry. Isn't it fascinating that there's a lot of movies we would not have seen if there wasn't someone we liked that was in it that we thought would be good in it? Oh, hell yeah. I, first of all, again, John Berthold's great in it. Like, does he have a leading role? No, but he's fairly in it for a good majority of the movie. 
Um, there's a really funny scene, right? Because in the beginning of the movie, like John Bernthal's character, Lee Iacocca, is sent over to Italy to talk with Enzo Ferrari, the creator and owner of Ferrari, to try to in to try to do a partnership with Ford, right? Yeah. And, and pretty much Enzo Ferrari roasts like the owner of Ford so badly and even calls him say fat or something so when lee iacocca has to come back to america and tell his boss like the reasons why enzo ferrari doesn't want anything and pretty much um what you calls it he's like you're there's something you're not telling me and lee iacocca goes well he calls you fat sir it's like what you asked you asked so to me i just thought that was so hilarious just that whole thing because it doesn't start off right away focused on say christian bale's character it focuses on why ford is trying to defeat ferrari and starting with the fact that you know they were making cars that no one was buying they wanted to do a partnership with ferrari and ferrari pretty much telling ford to go take a hike Oh, man. I do want to watch. I like movies like that, but I also don't want to be depressed. Well, the I wasn't really depressed, but I was pissed off because, again, the guy, BB, who worked for Ford, you would think that he'd want Ford to be freaking successful, but he disliked Christian Bale's character so much because he really felt that it did not represent Ford correctly at all because to him, he's like, we all wear suits. We're, you know, these polished sort of people. And here's this guy, and he's loud, and he's abrasive, and he wears jeans and, you know, dirty shirts and shit like that. And he's not what we should have. And he tried to, like, pretty much stall things the entire movie when all of it was supposed to be for the benefit of Ford. It's like he ended up, like, hampering more than helping. Exactly. So yeah, so Ford versus Ferrari, number four. Dickhead. Definitely a dickhead. Um, Brittany, what's your number four? Let me see here. So that means I have two more picks, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man. That's hard. Cause I have one on here. I'm holding near and dear. It's gonna be my two. <laughs> oh actually I do got one. Wait, wait, wait. I just got to remember, like, the name for it, okay? Because I I know what it should be, but it also the name of the company. Okay. Since you brought this up, I'm going with Happy Gilmore. Oh, my God. I love Happy Gilmore. Yes. I love Happy Gilmore. I had such a good time watching it. By the way, this used to be my big brother's, like, favorite movie of all time. We would watch it religiously. Like, he was obsessed with it. But I don't know. It goes back to, like, him playing these characters that have, like, this rage. But I think it's, like, I'm trying to remember. Because he ends up, like, figuring out that he's so good at it. Because he, I think it's, like, his mom was, like, put in a nursing home or something. And, like, because they're losing the house. And I can't remember the reason they're losing the house. I think, like, he thought it was paid off, but it wasn't. And they lose the house, so his, like, mom has grandma. to go to a nursing home for a bit. It's like, his grandma. Oh, it's, it's grandma, a- sorry. I can't remember. I'm so used to people having, like, like 
older parents anyway, so I'm like, oh, yeah, they're older, but that could be their mother, you know what I mean? And so, but yeah, it's grandmother, and he felt like the, the place was paid off, and it turns out it's not, and the movers are getting them, and he wants to play hockey so bad. That's the thing. I think that's also why he has so much rage, but it's almost rageful even for hockey, and finds out that, uh, what the movers like giving him shit because he's like oh i could golf better than you guys could because they're like taking a break and just hitting a golf ball and he ends up sending it flying so far they're like oh my god oh i remember his mentor that has like a fake hand because he was like oh i reached into the water isn't that the same guy who plays apollo creed (laughs) oh my god it might let me look look. i don't know let me see uh happy gilmore because the guy's name he was it was Chubbs Peterson, but he's played by Carl Weathers, and yeah. and Carl Weathers also. Let me see, Carl Weathers. Let me see. He was Apollo. Yep, there you go. <laughs> he was Apollo. That's perfect. But yeah, um, so I was obsessed. I like. It's just fun. And with between, like, him, like, you know, flunking out of being able to do anything with hockey because he's just too aggressive. And to see him in a sport like golfing was so funny. Like, you know, because it's supposed to be calm and relaxed. And who is that one character that's always the asshole in every movie when he's like, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And he's like, you eat shit for breakfast? <laughs> I love that so much. What I know exactly. <laughs> I gotta see who that actor was. But the whole movie is he just so... always plays a dick. <laughs> yeah, he always plays a dick. Who was that? It was like... Sort of like uh, the dude from uh, Oh Rocky Horror Picture Show always plays the villain. Tim Curry. Yes, I love him. Love him. Um, I, he got so sickly. I know. But go ahead about um, Happy Gilmore. I was say um, I was looking real quick because the dude. Oh, Christopher McDonald. He played Shooter McGavin. Yeah, he's always a dick. Because wasn't he also in um, the wedding? No, that was a different guy. Sorry. Different dick. <laughs> different dick. By the way, Bob Barker is in that movie, too. He beats and the shit out of, out of Happy. And he's a dick. <laughs> oh, by the way, who, uh, there's also, like, so, you know, when his mom gets put in the nursing home, and he's like, oh, you look so happy here. And she's like, yeah. And the ben dude's Stiller. Ben Stiller. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> By the way, I can't even find him in, like, the, like, uh, cast, like, for that small part. Really? That's so strange. I know. I can't even find him in, like, the, the cast list. Huh. Very but, strange. I don't know. The movie's just, like... I just love movies of, like, people, like, turning out to be really good in a sport and then, like, trying to hone it. Because that was, like, Chubb's characters, like, trying to teach him how to get better. Which I think Chubb ends up dying. Yeah, he does. Because he goes, look, I have both hands now. (laughs) No, the whole object was, um, frickin', um... You know, Chubb's got his hand bit off by an alligator. So... Happy's like, hey, I found the alligator that, you know, bit your hand off. And he opens up 
a box and it has the alligator's head and it scares Chubb so much. And he falls back and falls out the window and like falls to his death. So messed up. So messed up. Yeah, because, like, the whole thing is, like, he's trying to get the, the gold jacket or whatever just so that he can, like, get the money to pay off the house so that they can, like, go back and live there and be fine. And I don't know. It, the whole movie's just so silly. That was, I, like, peak Adam Sandler. Peak Adam Sandler. I love Happy Gilmore because I love how he never refers to himself as a golfer the whole time, right? He's always like, I'm a hockey player, even though he kind of sucks at hockey. And as you said, he's even too aggressive for the hockey rink. But then he becomes this essentially golf sensation and it's pissing everyone off because he's so not the type of golf player, right? Um, and the whole thing is that his grandma, you know, is going to go, th- is going through foreclosure. She's in a nursing home with an abusive asshole. And then if you remember, um, Sandler meets the girl and shit, and that's the girl of the the dickhead, right? So he, I think, purposely, like, buys the home of Adam Sandler's grandpa that Adam Sandler's grandpa, like, built with his own hands, and he's like, I'm going to have yes, your... the house they're losing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to have your grandma live in it with me. And, like, Adam Sandler keeps having those weird visions of, like, his poor grandma, like, being seduced like... by the guy. Yes! <laughs> Oh, my God, it's so bad. But my favorite scene, though, is at the end, right, when they're doing the golf tournament. And the dickhead is such an asshole. And doesn't he, like, literally – there's something with that big guy, right? Like, that really big guy. And doesn't he, like, end up, like, putting the T on his foot or something? I forget what happened there. But do you remember what I'm talking about? It was, like – uh, you know, Adam Sandler had all these, like, supporters, and they all hated the dickhead. And then, like, uh, Adam Sandler's character, Happy Gilmore, had to make the whole, while, like, the thing was on a car. It, it was a disaster. But anyway, long story short. you had to play the ball where it landed, and it landed on that dude's foot. Yes, but the guy, like, hated him because, you know, he's such a douche to Happy Gilmore, and he was such a supporter of Happy Gilmore. He's like, hey, you don't do that to Happy. Um, By the but, way, I think they originally hated Happy because didn't the dude have, like, a nail in his head, like, from yeah, Happy? But Happy, I mean, Amazon always plays, like, that character where, like, you hate him at first, and then you realize he has, like, the heart of gold. Um, so, yeah, I love Happy Gilmore, the long story of that is that happy wins at the end and he gets the girl and he gets the house and he gets his grandma back and we love that yeah we love that we love love that by the way i still quote tap tap it in tap it in like whenever we would play a mini golf as a kid we'd go tap it in because he couldn't like he couldn't he wasn't good at like just putting it in he had to like because he was just all about like the aggression oh I still love him, like fist start... fighting with Bob Barker I love him fist fighting Barker and doesn't he start yelling at the things in the mini golf course he's like just go in already because <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to teach him how to putt through mini golf yes <laughs> That movie was so great. I really loved it. Happy Gilmore, to me, I feel, is probably his best movie. So good. By the way, I just realized that, like, Creed's name is not actually Creed. It was Apollo Creed. So his last name is Creed. I forgot what his first name was. 
I just thought his name was Creed. Oh, Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. Like I had that epiphany, like right in there somewhere. I love it though, and I love you putting Happy Gilmore down. It's fun, um, and it is a sports movie because you know, I guess golf is a sport. No, it's a sports movie. I love it. I really do. Um, I'll get number three. Now, before I get my number three, does your number two start with an R? No, it starts with a K. I'm very confused as to what that is then. Okay, well, I uh, feel- One of your favorite TV shows right now came from this movie. Okay, well, I still don't know what it is, but that's fine. Oh my God. To- are you for- blonde? Did you dye your hair? Are you, are you blonde now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave me alone. Um, but what should I call it? What was I going to say? Okay, well, I feel, God, I feel as if I can't not put this movie on, right? But I also feel as if it's been a long time since I've seen it. So you're going to have to, like, help me out here with the description of it. But I wanted to put Remember the Titans down. Oh, I know of this movie. I know I've seen it, but I, I don't remember it. Oh, really? I thought, like, you knew this. I, I've seen it once upon a time, but I don't remember it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's perfectly fine. I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia to help me out here. Um, but just to let you guys know, like, when I think about sports movies, even though it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, it's like, to me, this was the movie that showed me that um, it doesn't really matter if I like sports or not. This is a good fucking movie. Yeah. Like, so, and it also is one of my favorite Denzel Washington um, movies of all time. Like, oh, in that. Yeah, so... You know, the whole point about Remember the Titans is that the whole thing was that it was during the time where, you know, segregation was just starting not to happen, you know, Um, when I I should say desegregation then I like getting tongue tied this morning, (laughs) Um, you know, so it's like you have where you have desegregation happening, you have where. Denzel Washington, who, you know, is a coach and he's black, going to coach an all-white football team. Um, And obviously that starting racial tensions and all that. Um, And during the course of the movie, he also then decides to start merging. Let me actually read the thing instead of, like, going out of my ass here. I'm just going to read, like, the first paragraph here, you know. I believe yeah. in you. Uh, it says, uh, you know, during Virginia, right, a newly integrated – oh, it says, at the newly integrated T.C. Williams High School in Alexandra, Virginia, Herman Boone, a black head coach who was supposed to lead the black high school's football team, is assigned to coaching staff under current white head coach Bill Yost, who previously led the white high school and has been nominated, blah, blah, blah. An attempt to placate rising racial tensions and the fact that all other high schools are whites only, the school district decides to change course and name Boone the head coach. He refuses, believing it's unfair to Yost, but relents after seeing what it means to the black community. Yost is then offered and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, boom, there you go. Anyway, (laughs) uh, my whole point here is saying that 
then the so you have these two schools integrating and where now you have black students and white students having to play football together and it's all just like Denzel Washington just coaching these kids and really just helping, you know, at least for them, obviously not for the whole community, but at least for these students, helping them to, you know, stop this whole racial tension bullshit pretty much, right? To integrate with each other. not want white chemists, the, the coach anyways, and they were like no. pulling their kids out. Yeah, hell no, they didn't want him as their coach, right? And it's like a super inspiring movie where it's like they, he breaks down these, you know, racial tensions that, like, these kids don't even know why they feel this way, right? They're just taught this bullshit. And so then all of a sudden through the course of the movie, they just start becoming brothers, essentially. Like, they really start referring to each other as, like, family. It doesn't matter what race they are or anything like that. It's all with the help of Denzel Washington. It's, like, insanely inspiring the entire movie um and a lot of a lot of bad shit happens too you know one of the students ends up getting into a really horrific you know car accident and all that or does he just not able to play anymore he's not able to play anymore i think he gets like paralyzed or something like that again it's been a long time since i've seen this bigger guy wasn't he he was like uh i'm trying to remember yeah i mean he was like he was a big guy and then he was also the, I think he was the white student who, say, was the loudest about not wanting the black students to be with them. And then he ends up the most, you know, re- like referring to one of the black guys as his brother, right? And he even, I think, um, like breaks up with his girlfriend because his girlfriend has a problem with them being friends. It's like, again, it's been a while since I've seen this, but all I remember from this movie was just how utterly inspiring what it was the final game that they play at the end of the movie and the tribute that they do for the unity with each other um to show everyone that it's possible to be unified was just so great um and again all like orchestrated by denzel washington's character and i think that denzel washington did a great job in playing this character who you know was tough on his students but like because he didn't want he didn't want that tension you know he forced his students to interact with each other um because he knew it was possible for them to be united and it was just great it was such a great um movie it you know obviously uh really talked about the times that they were in during the time of desegregation and um it didn't matter that it was a football movie it just matters that it was a super inspiring movie and i just i remember watching it for the first time and i was like this is a great movie i love movies like that because i was gonna say i think i have seen it but it was at school so i wasn't really paying attention because i was such a big book 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 back then and so I always was like, I would always be like, can I read instead? <laughs> like, instead of watching this movie. But so I feel like, I don't know, that sounds good, though. I kind of wish I had paid more attention now. Yeah, I mean, it says, like, while celebrating the victory, Jerry is severely injured in a car accident when he drives through an intersection against an oncoming truck. He's paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so, you know, that sucks. But, um. I don't know, it's just like, it's really, I don't know. 
I probably should have done a better job explaining this, but I feel like it's been out so long that I'm hoping that enough people have seen Remember the Titans, and you know how good this freaking movie is. Um, oh, no, I remember it being really good, because I think at first, like, as a kid, I was like, God, I don't want to watch a football movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how I was, too, because, God, when did this come out? Let me look at what year this freaking thing came out. Um uh, uh, two th- yeah, in 2000, God, so I was 10 years old, you know, I had to have seen it after that, but probably not that long after that, where I was like, I don't want to watch a football movie, but I watched it anyway, and I'm really glad that I did, um, you know, because, I don't know, it was just, like, really good, I love movies like that, that are breaking down these, you know, bullshit walls that should have never been there to begin with, right? So yeah. I I just love the whole idea of it. Um, and I suggest anyone, I probably should rewatch this movie because it's been a while since I watched it and I just saw it's on Disney Plus. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe I will need to have, like, rewatch it and really, like, soak it in. I do remember the guy getting in the accident and being, like, just so upset and I was like, I don't want to like this movie. <laughs> I just love movies where people at first don't like each other and then they come together and they're like family afterwards. And I think that's why I liked that movie so much because it was the ultimate of, you know, such tension amongst people and people just being hateful for no reason, not even realizing why they should be hateful in the first place and then interacting, you know, with each other and realizing that, you know, we as humans have more in common than we don't, right? And yeah. I think that was a lot of what the message of the movie was. And, uh, you know, again, one of Denzel Washington's best films and one of his best performances. In he my was really house. good, by the way, speaking of really good uh, Denzel Washington movies, The Equalizer. Do you know I still haven't seen that? I got to check Gee, that out. Uh, you know, I know. Have you ever seen, um, speaking about him now, <laughs> but, you know, who doesn't love some Denzel? We need to have a top ten Denzel movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> but have you ever seen Training Day? No, I haven't. You've told me about it, and uh-huh. I was like, that sounds like it stressed me out. <laughs> It's such a good movie, though. He plays a bad guy. And I remember when I was younger, I never thought of Denzel Washington playing bad guys, you know? To me, it's like everyone loves Denzel because he's wholesome. He's like Tom Hanks, you know? He always plays these nice guys. So when I saw Train Day, I was like, oh, he's an asshole. And he's He's a monster. He's a, he was a monster in that. That's a great movie, though. Him and Ethan Hawke play so well off of each other. And there's so many great um, lines in that, too. And I feel like you would love it because you love Denzel Washington. But you I also love Denzel Washington. But you also love villain characters. So I feel like you'd love him because he is just like, as he says at some point, he is King Kong in this bitch. And he is like oh, King Kong. Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, it's great. And Ethan Hawke is really good in it because I think that was like during the time where Ethan Hawke was like first emerging. Man, you know, you see it. You know who Ethan Hawke is. He played um in a in, in The Magnificent Seven. He yes, played because he's also going to be in that new uh, Marvel movie coming out. Oh my God! No, the Marvel show isn't that show, exciting? Yeah. He's playing the villain in the Moon Knight show. Like, That's yeah, because so when I thought, I was like, me and T are going to be all over this. 
Well, it's so exciting to see these actors, again, that you would say to yourself, oh, they'll never be in a Marvel film, but Christian Bale, Ethan Hawke, and I'm like, oh. no, Ethan Hawke's going to be great in it. I'm really excited for him to do that, but um, whatchamacallit. We it? love a villain. I just thought to myself, so Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke were in Training Day, and then they also ended up being in Magnificent Seven together. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's true. Yeah. There you go. You should watch Training Day. I'm telling you. I give you a lot of movies you should watch, but you should definitely watch Training Day. It's it's badass. <laughs> oh man! Oh, didn't he make him like take drugs so that he will <laughs> yeah. like hold that over him? Really quick. Um, the whole point of Training Day. It's not a sports movie, so we can't put that on there. But uh, <laughs> uh, Denzel Washington. Den- Denzel Washington plays a seasoned. Um, cop but who's you know like part of the narcotics team and Ethan Hawke's character is a new cop and it's literally him training him but Denzel Washington's a dirty cop so he pretty much is giving like himself insurance that anything he does do during the day that he has Ethan Hawke so that Ethan Hawke doesn't like say tell on him he makes Ethan Hawke do like crack and he's like, oh, so anything I do bad right now, you can't go to our superiors and say anything because you literally just did crack as a police officer on duty in front of me, a fellow police officer. Even though literally throughout the film, Denzel Washington is bribing people, getting money, literally fucking killing people throughout the movie. But, you know, he's like, but, you know, you did fucking drugs. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'll take that also crack only stays into your system for like not very long so is it all taking course in like a day yeah that's why it's literally called training day it's literally a day it's just a day but so much happens oh and i guess like anybody would be like when when this happened why are you just now coming here well i had to wait for the drugs to get out of my system yeah, no, literally everything happens in a day. Like, at some point, like, Ethan Hawke saves a girl from being raped, and, like, that um, gets touched upon later on in the film as well. I'll tell you about after we stop recording. But Train Day, Train Day is awesome. Remember the Titans is awesome. Pretty much anything that Denzel Washington is in is awesome. I don't know if I've ever seen a bad Denzel role. Um, and if there is one out there, I don't want to watch it because he's just perfect. So, <laughs> Oh, man. But, what we all agree we love denzel washington but no it's just making me laugh where you're like dang there's nothing he's the best he's like nothing could ever be bad with him i was like this girl loves her some denzel washington him and tom hanks they're mvps that's true give me a bad tom hanks movie i'll tell you there is none Tell me one, and I will tell you you're wrong. Exactly, exactly. But, Brittany, let's go down to the number two. I'm interested because now I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure as soon as you mention it, I'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to be like, oh, I'm an idiot, but you're not an idiot, but you get me. Um, it's Karate Kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cobra Kai. <laughs> Karate is a sport, Tia. I know, but when you said K, I was like, what starts with a K? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, oh, my God, yes. For those who don't know, before Brittany goes on, Cobra Kai is, like, one of my favorite shows in the past, like, few years. I mean, I just discovered, I'm saying, a show that just came out a few years ago. Um, I 
fucking love Cobra Kai. So sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're good. So that's why, like, I'm seeing it where I'm like, Daniel LaRusso being kind of a dick, I was like, well, makes sense, but still. <laughs> so Daniel LaRusso moves from New Jersey to California. So he's 17 years old. He uh, He's kind of like, he's not a troubled kid. It's just that, you know, by the way, he does not look 17 in that movie because he's kind of short, you know, and he, he looks, looks like really young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So him and his mother, because I don't believe he has a father or like his father walked out or died. I can't remember. They end up moving to uh, California, but, you know, they can only afford like this really tiny apartment because. First off, California is crazy expensive. Can we mm-hmm. talk about that? Expensive. Well, he starts going to school. He's just kind of like going by. I think like his mom also wanted to get away because she didn't want him to become like a troubled kid. Well, so he ends up, uh, that's like why in Cobra Kai when his mom is like, you know, I was a single mother and I still cook dinner every night. Oh my gosh, she like, pissed it. Can I tell you, though, she pissed me the fuck off when she said that kind of shit, like, in front, like... I know, I know. No, I agree, because I was like, dang, I was like, oh, where is Bob being such a dick? Yeah, <laughs> why did they make her like that? Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Like that. Okay, so, um, well, so he goes and starts going to school. Well, he makes friends with this cheerleader, and I can't remember the cheerleader's name, but, you know, you really think they're going to be together forever, but... Allie. Allie, yes. They've ended up becoming friends. He gives the hots for but the evil, the evil oh God, what's his name? Give me his name real quick. The the main guy from Cobra Kai? Yes. Johnny Lawrence. Johnny. I remembered it as soon as like you were about to say I was like, Oh yeah, Johnny. But so Johnny does not like that because that's his girl and ends up uh beating the shit out of uh Daniel Russo. Ends up, uh, he starts bullying him pretty bad uh, throughout the movie, which we'll see. You see in Cobra Kai, I'm kind of going between Cobra Kai. He's like, this dude was stepping on my turf. I had had to. I had to show who was hot. (laughs) Which is funny because, like, there is some things where you're like, okay, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. He's like, and he also cheap shotted me when I pushed him down or something like that. But. Uh, you know, he does end up starting to get beat up a lot. Well, Mr. Miyagi uh, is the handyman for that apartment complex. And uh, he does see where Danny at some point is about to get just his whole ass beaten in, like totally caved in. And uh, Mr. Miyagi beats the shit out of all of them. But the thing is, is that Johnny, his dojo is Cobra Kai and so he's a black belt so it's like Johnny can't really do anything about like fighting back with these guys because they're all you know trained fighters but Mr. Miyagi single-handedly just beats all of them and he takes uh Danny under his wing he's like I'm gonna teach you karate you know but he only wants it to be like a self-defense thing Mm -hmm. well I love Mr. Miyagi when he passed away I was pretty distraught about it too I love Mr. Miyagi uh, you do find out he had, like, a Medal of Honor. He served in the war. Uh, I think it was, like, he was uh, served in World War II because you got to remember this movie's in the 80s. And so he was already older by this point with this. Uh, but he served in World War II. It was during the time, uh, like, Japanese citizens were being interned, which is fucking awful. He, uh, I think it does explain the first movie that, 
his wife got interned, and also I think she was either pregnant with their child, but either way, they both die in the internment camp while he's serving in World War Two. And Which but he gets so the middle. Sad. Of it. Yeah, so sad. So you know, it's just like uh, you 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 learn that Mr. Miyagi's led a hard life, but he's still like really gentle. Uh, the uh, the catching the fly, but you know, it's just all of it's so good. But he he uh, he trains him. Uh, he wants him to beat Johnny, uh, but Cobra Kai is very like no mercy. What, what's the Cree again? The no something, no something, no mercy. It's like strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, ends up going through. Johnny gets his leg hurt during the match because they fought dirty. One of the guys injures his leg, and Johnny doesn't want to fight Danny like that. But you do show that. Uh, What's the what's the dude's name? The teacher. Uh, oh, sorry, I had myself on mute. John Crease is Johnny's teacher. Yes, Crease uh, is like yo, take him out, you know. And he's like, well, shit. Well, uh, Johnny's legs hurt. But the only thing is, and this is my only hang up on it, Danny pulls an illegal move at the very mm-hmm. beginning of the matches, like where they're about to start the tournament. They say no striking the head. Mm-hmm. That's the it thing. Was. And Danny Swan kicks him in the motherfucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, he fucking like, takes him out to you. And that's the only thing. And he, you know, he ends up winning. Oh, I can't remember what the second one is about. It doesn't focus on Cobra <laughs> Kai, but I think it is him going into other tournaments. I think he ends up going to, like, another country. It's really good, too, but that's why I always sing, because only a man and a man's got to learn to take it. Me and my dad sing that all the time together, because that's the music that plays when he's going through the tournament. But Cobra Kai is so good, because you do learn that, you know, Johnny was a troubled kid. From his perspective, he wasn't just a monster. He was just, like... You know, this kid came in and was trying to take his girl, and, uh, like, I'm at a Halloween party, and he just, like, sprayed me with a hose for no reason. So, yeah, I got to teach that kid a lesson, but then his teacher came out nowhere and beat my ass. It's, like, it's just so funny. It's just funny seeing the different perspectives on it. But I just count it as a sports movie because they do go through the tournament, and it is him, like, on a quest to get good and beat Johnny. Karate is definitely a sport. Um, I will say Cobra Kai season three does um, follow a lot of what happened in the second movie, which I never seen. But I watched the first two seasons of Cobra Kai without having watched Karate Kid, and I didn't feel lost at all because they do a lot of like clips from you yeah, know the movie flashbacks. They do a great job. So the season three. Um, I guess in the second movie, Daniel has to go to Japan, and he defeats a you know rival over there and season three is really good because it's him going back to japan for another reason having to deal with his car dealership interacting with people who like and the same actors who are in the second karate kid and even all back back. he didn't end up with ali yeah um ali does show up though in season three i will say that um but but that she would. I, I'm Team Allie. Um, I'm Team Carmen. I love Miguel's mom in Cobra Kai. So I, I probably need to actually watch it happen yeah. before I choose a side. But still, I just I don't know. He was so in love with her. Yeah, but 
You gotta watch season three. Uh, <laughs> season okay. three, uh, Johnny, Johnny and Carmen, man. But anyway, um, I this isn't Cobra Kai. You mentioned Karate Kid, so anyway, my experience with this is I've never, I had never seen Karate Kid. Um, I knew about it. Same. I'm just saying I knew about it, right? Because I feel like it's you can't not like live right past the 80s and not know about Karate Kid. It's integrated so much into our pop culture. People talk about it all the time. Um, they did that god awful remake with Jackie Chan and Will Smith's kid that like everyone hated. So um, bad. And so then you were the one who was – and so Cobra Kai came out, right, and people talked about it all the time. I have listened to so many podcasts where people are just mentioning it, and they're like, it's so good. And you watched it, or at least you watched the first season, and you were like, you should watch this. Johnny is awesome. So I decided yeah. to check it out. So I decided to check it out, and obviously now I'm like a huge fan. I binge-watched this hype. I binge-watched seasons one and two within, like, two days, and when season three came out, I literally binge-watched it in one day. It's so good, and I will echo the thing that everyone says. It has no business being so good. Um, I love it. And, you know, you don't need to have seen these movies to watch the show because it does a great job in catching you up. But after I watched seasons one and two, Paulie and I did decide to sit down and watch the first Karate Kid. Now, he's seen... The movie, I have it. Um, and I will admit, but I'm not trying to burst your bubble or anything. I didn't necessarily like the movie. Um, but, but, I think that's just what Cobra Cut. Fucking Johnny got into your head. <laughs> no. Made it where you couldn't enjoy it. You know what? You're dead to me. No, I think the whole thing is looking, you know, maybe if I, if I grew up watching it, it'd be different. But watching it from this lens where it's like, you know, a low-budget, like, 80s movie. Like, there are things... I can't okay. be friends with you. Did you oh call my... budget? Did you just call my favorite movie low-budget? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to say it's like, I'm not hating out too much, but Dana LaRusso <laughs> never truly really, like, learned karate i didn't think he was very much a master at it hey, um, the second movie focuses on him being really good <laughs> i was i was i will say that as i was watching karate kid i was trying to look out for the things that like johnny was saying but i will say that johnny definitely remembers events not so correctly because ali and him Allie and him were broken up, so it was like, there's that. And he did destroy her boombox, um, which, by the way, Johnny admits in the third season was wrong. Um, but uh, whatchamacallit's it? Uh, you know, but Daniel shouldn't have sprayed him with water in, you know, the freaking bathroom. I disagreed with that. I did like Mr. Miyagi, though. Um, I love I, Mr. Miyagi. He was so I, good. I loved him taking Daniel under his wing um, and that scene where he gets, because I believe he gets drunk and that's where he admits what happened to his wife and kid was really powerful for them. I feel like to mention in the eighties, because, you know, I feel like it's only been till recently that, you know, American people want to admit that we did a lot of wrong things in former wars. Right. And I think that, you know, 
the Japanese. All us have German internment camps because freaking in the forty, we had a huge German population. You could have said the same for them, but we only did it to our fucking like Japanese citizens. So it's well, like messed what, up. And so I was saying, I feel like the idea of the Japanese internment camps are like one of the most embarrassing things that we've ever done. So for them to like bring that up in an eighties movie where everything was like, you know, you, again, like as I said earlier, eighties was you know post. Cold War, we're still having dick measuring contests with Russia, you know, the 80s were so like, you know, USA, 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 you know, and so for that, so anyway, but I like that, I was happy about that, I felt really sad for Mr. Miyagi, um, and I loved his bonsai trees, it made me really want to get one, <laughs> um, sorry, go ahead. I just literally love Mr. Miyagi, I just was... I just really liked him, especially growing up. And still, I want to take karate even as an adult because I wanted to so bad as a kid, but we didn't have any places here in Arkansas close by. So I did take karate as a kid, but not for very long. Yeah, we have karate. We have karate dojos here. (laughs) Oh, my God. Tia doesn't tell me. I told you when I was a kid I did a lot of sports. I can't tell you all the sports. There were a lot of them. <laughs> Just hoping something would stick. I Yeah, I was in karate for a short time. But my problem was, you know, I not to be weird, but I hit puberty at a very young age, right? Younger than, younger than most kids. So I got very tall. Um, at a younger age, so I would say too tall for the kids division, but then they put me in the adult division, and I'm a kid among adults, so you're not making friends, and the whole point of my mom putting me in something like that was so that I could, you know, have a social life. Why would they do that to you? Because they're like, you're too big for the young kids, so I literally only got to a white belt with three black stripes on it. Um... But anyway, my point is um, I did take karate for a short period of time when I was younger, um, which one calls it. No, there were great parts of Karate Kid. I, I laughed when Daniel caught the fly and Mr. Miyagi was pissed because he's like, I've been trying to do that for years. Fuck you. Um, and then Mr. Miyagi giving Daniel his car at the end. Um, you know, it was such a great relationship between Mr. Miyagi and Daniel that you see really affected Daniel moving forward in his life. And I love that Cobra Kai say the series really does their best to honor Mr. Miyagi um, because they knew how because since he passed away, like, you know, in real life, it was kind of like their nod to him. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, Johnny Lawrence did nothing wrong. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, I love that you love Karate Kid. I will never tell you that you shouldn't love Karate Kid. And it did give, you don't even try. It did give way for one of my favorite shows of all time, Cobra Kai, which you you yell at me. You still haven't even finished it. You're the one I, who even introduced me I to it. You. I watched the original Karate Kid and loved it. I've seen every Karate Kid. Well, don't cite the ancient text to me. I was there when it was written. You should be watching Cobra Kai. You're the one who even introduced me to Cobra Kai. I know, but I got obsessed with Hunter x Hunter, which was an anime, and I, I just, you know, 
my god. Thanks, Kate. But but on that note, we are down to the number one on our top ten best sports movies. Let's go through the list before we get to our number one. And we have number ten, The Blind Side. Number nine, Talladega Nights. Number eight, Waterboy. Number seven, Rocky Four. Number six, Creed. Number five, Ford versus Ferrari. Number four, Happy Gilmore. Number three, Remember the Titans. Number two, Karate Kid. And number one is going to be my pick, and it's going to be probably my favorite um, sports movie of all time. And you probably have never heard of it, but that's okay. I'm going to get the Wikipedia up just to help myself, you know, just not make an ass out of myself. Um, What'd you say? I feel that. I do that sometimes where it's like, I love this movie, but it's been so long, I can't tell you everything about it. Yeah, exactly. So the movie is called Miracle. Um, it came out in 2004. It's a hockey movie. Um, and mind you... Oh, 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 is it the Miracle on Ice? Yes. 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 So for those don't who don't know, it is a sports um, film that took place, um, blah, blah, blah. It, so the whole thing is about the coach, Herb Brooks, um, and it they... The American hockey team won the 1980 Winter Olympics medal for hockey. And the reason why it was such a miracle is why they call it like a miracle. First of all, I believe um, the sportscaster is the one when the Americans won him shouting like it's a miracle because for decades prior, the Americans could never beat the Russians it was all about the Russians. Yeah, and they were like, supposed to be like a team of nobodies, like yeah, so, like just amateurs. Yeah, so that was the great thing about this team, right? Is that, and this has never happened after that either. When you have an Olympic sports team, it's like you have to have these athletes who are in divisions, and they're you know freaking going through and they get picked you know by the olympic division team and they're you know going through all these you know other official sort of things right but for the for the 1980 olympics american hockey team they as Brittany just said um sorry my cat decided to try to jump up on the fridge and knocked a bunch of shit over. I apologize, everyone who's listening to that. Of course, right as I have the number one, Sunny, you really had to go there, didn't oh you? Oh my gosh! Well, you saying it was Sunny was all I needed to know. <laughs> I apologize, everyone. Give me one second because I want to make sure that glass didn't just break right now because that would have been a disaster. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kitties to step on it either. Exactly. So anyway. Um, as Brittany just said, the really unique thing about this was that they literally held tryouts for nobodies, people who have never been in the Olympics, people who are just regular hockey players. And what was interesting about the movie itself is that most of the players were actual hockey players. Um, some of them were actors, but most of the team were hockey players because they wanted the authenticity of be making it look very realistic, you know? Yeah. And so the thing is that, you know, what's crazy is that you have all these players who are just amateurs coming in. They're from different schools. There's rivalries going on and all that. And pretty much like the coach having to tell them, like, doesn't matter what school you were formerly, you know, playing for. You're part of the USA fucking, you know, division now. And it was just like this whole thing of this coach 
you know, trying to get everyone to believe in the fact that, like, he knew what he was doing because everyone's like, what are you doing? We have all these professional hockey players. And he's like, yeah, and none of these professional hockey players have been able to defeat the Russians, you know? They all were so skeptical of him getting these amateurs to come in. And even you at some point thought that they weren't willing to put in the work because some of them were lazy. You know, he gave them homework to do. None of them want, you know, some of them didn't want to fill out the thing or anything. But it was like him just pushing them and them all coming together to fight against the Russian team who has won for decades practically. And it's just like, Again, I sit there and say that people are probably like, what's the big fucking deal? And it's like you have to, again, remember this is post-Soviet Union era. This is the 1980 Olympics. Um, when yeah, they're still in the Cold War during the 80s. It was probably right after the Cold War ended, like, just barely. And all these things are, like, symbolic, right? Because you're fighting a war, or you're going to fight a war. You're getting prepared for the war. That's what a Cold War is, right? Um, and then suddenly your teams are playing a sport for the whole entire world to watch. At that point, it, does, it becomes just so much more than a sport. It's a symbol. You know, who can win? It's the same thing like um, there's a show on Apple TV Plus called For All Mankind. And, you know, in real life, it was America who put the first man on the moon. But in the show, it's like, what if Russia put the first man on the moon? And it's like, all that's symbolic. In the end, it's like, what does it really matter who gets to the moon first, right? But it's like, it's symbolic. Like, oh. Well, you know. it's kind of like it was symbolic whenever, uh, you know, Hitler was so obsessed with, like, eugenics and, like, the master race and all that. And then uh, the – I'm trying to remember his name – but then an African-American athlete beat his best people, and it, like, really, like, it, it really was, probably. Like, what did you say? It shook things up, probably. It probably, like, really made a statement. That it made him a public embarrassment of, like, with their whole, like, master race thing in front of everybody, showing, like, somebody, like, can be just as good no matter what the color of their skin was, and that was totally against what he was trying to put out there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I just love this um, movie just because, I don't know, it. like you go through a movie and it's like you really just want them to win because they are, and it also goes into the whole idea of like an underdog, right? In general, the Americans were underdogs when compared to the Russians in the Olympics, especially in the hockey division. And then to have a whole team where you have all of these you know, amateurs who aren't professional, really professional hockey players, and they're the ones to come together and defeat um, the Russian team. It just, like, it's what you want from a movie. You want to feel that feel-good. You want that underdog story, and that's so it. And it's like this piece of history that people literally freak the fuck out over. Um, you know, I feel just, like we're so excited over it, but you know the, the Russian, like, athletes are like, so still bad. like, you remember that time we really sucked to <laughs> fucking amateurs? Like, they're probably, like, still salty over it. But I was going to say, like, my dad has the original, um, like, poster from the, like, 1980 Olympics that captured, you know, the moments and everything. Um, oh, he man. He has that. 
And literally, I took my grandpa to go see this movie in theaters because he loves hockey. And so, like, this is such a big moment. Um, and, again, just super symbolic. And I just loved the movie. I loved how it was done. I love the fact that they got real hockey players to play these uh, characters just because it's, like, you did get a sense that you were watching a real game. Um, it didn't look fake or anything. And then also... Um, I like the way it ended, and it's in the Wikipedia as well. So um, before the credits to the film, like the credit, the before credits to the film is dedicated to Herb Brooks, who was played by Kurt Russell, and he was the real-life coach of the team. He unfortunately passed away right before principal photography for the movie was finished. And the at the end of the movie, it states, he didn't see it, he lived it. And I just love that. Oh, that's so good. That's so sad, though. It's so sad. It hit me right in the feels. I remember when that happened in the movie. I was like, oh, my God, I can't. So, yeah, I love Miracle, and I think that it is my favorite sports movie to date. Um, just the way it was crafted, the way it happened. Um, I loved it. And it, it got me, like, really excited to learn about the 1980 Olympics, specifically that, and the fact that, They've never done it since, Brittany. They never have had just tryouts where you can come and try out for the team ever since then. Ever since after that, it's heavily regulated who gets on the American team for any of the sports in both the Winter and Summer Olympics. So it's like, and you know how much I love the Olympics too. So it's super interesting that this one time, like this one time they were like, Let's do something different. Let's, you know, hold tryouts. And they're the ones who defeated the Russians. Which, by the way, can we talk about two things? One, isn't it so funny? Remember all the shit that Michael Phelps got for smoking weed? And, like, (laughs) nowadays we're like, so? There's so much worse things you'd be doing. But now, now we actually had, like, with the everything that happened on recently with the Capitol, and it's like there was a freaking Olympian there. Like an ex-Olympian. I didn't hear about that. That's it. Yeah, when that whole Michael Phelps thing happened, they were like, he's going to have to give back his medals. I'm like, why? He just smoked pot. Like, like, made him swim faster. (laughs) At some point, like, oh, Okay, this is going to be really like a bold statement here. But at some point, like 98% of the people who were playing professional baseball were on steroids. Oh, that's Uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like it's in that world. It's kind of like bodybuilding. You would be very, it would be very hard to ever find a bodybuilder that has not taken steroids. Well, I mean, they proved, like, Lance Armstrong was on steroids, and he, like, that's how he won all of his medals. So I understood asking him to give his medals back. What about Arnold Schwarzenegger? He was, like, he, uh, you know he was juicing back in the day. Do you see how brolic he was? I'm sorry, that doesn't come naturally. Um oh. I was going to say, if anything, it's impressive that Michael Phelps won all those medals by smoking pot. Wouldn't that make you lazy? <laughs> I mean, to be a swimmer, you have to be really dedicated. And it's like, damn, he was smoking pot while doing that? Good for uh, him. Yeah, I like, not want to do anything. And he's over yes. here winning like, Olympic gold medal. Shit. 
Michael Phelps didn't stop. I remember every time I saw him in Atlanta, I was like, oh, there he is. He's taking home the gold. He was just sweeping I that shit. I was like, oh, freaking Ansley back in the day had the biggest crush on Michael Phelps. I think most people did. I know I did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What? I'm an Olympian. He's the best of the best. <laughs> By the way, I read a thing that one of the few things people don't know is freaking all those Olympians are having so much sex at the Olympics. I could imagine. I could think imagine. that, like, like, it's so bad. They have to make sure, like, they have, like, a bunch of condoms on hand and, <laughs> in those, like, places that they're staying because they're, you have so many people mingling. And also, you have people that connect over the fact that they're, like, Olympians, you know? It has to be a combination of, like, so many other things. It's like, you know, they're in a different country. They're all, like, merged together. It's, like, mingling, as you said. But then it's, yeah, like, you know, they're all, they're all, like, hopped on that, like, alpha energy because they're all, like, you know, dominant athletes. So it's, like, you know, I could imagine. I could imagine. It's, like, a breeding ground. <laughs> But people are like, what the fuck? Uh, Brittany, before we wrap everything up, did you have any um, honorable mentions that you didn't get to put on the list? I think I have, like, Bad News Bears. Uh, Let me see what else I had on my list. I think that was about it. I had, like, Bad News Bear, uh, Southpaw, and I I was going to put the original Rocky, but I felt like we focused so much on the Rocky universe, I was like, I'll leave it be. I'm sorry, you could have still put it. Oh, no, I, mean, I, great... I just didn't want it to be rocky on everything, so I just, like... I just I mean, <laughs> realistically, we could have just did the whole top ten of just the Rocky franchise. Alone. Should, uh, uh, I, I wish there was... Is there ten, <laughs> like, if there was ten Rocky films, we could rank the the best and the worst. Well, we could definitely do, like, top ten, like, moments from the Rocky franchise. I'd be down for that. Okay, let's, uh, yeah. let's put that down, but... um. As far as my honorable mentions, I had The Fighter, which was really good with Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg. Um, Hardball. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's with Keanu Reeves in it. Hmm? I don't think I have. It's really good. I liked it a lot. Um, And I had a grudge match. Remember that movie with um, uh, Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone? They're older and they're fighting against each other. John Bernthal was in it. With John Bernthal? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was a good movie regardless. You know, I, I really liked Crunchy. Yeah, exactly. I love that movie. It was so fun what to he said that one person, he's like, your mom was so good, I named my son after. <laughs> <laughs> after her best move or something. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so ridiculous. I loved it. Robert De Niro was great. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, I thought uh, Sylvester Stallone was really good, and he... um. You know, his, I don't know. It was good. But anyway, um, for those who are listening, please let me know and Brittany know what your favorite sports movies of all time are. You can find um, both of us on Twitter and Instagram. Me my Twitter is Tia Fabi, TC underscore Stark, if you can't find it that way. But you could also follow Geek Fives Nation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're everywhere. Follow us at uh, geekfivesnation.com. You know, just let us know what kind of sports movies you like the best. Um, I'd be really interested in hearing your opinion. But, Brittany, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, so you could always find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. 
been playing uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, one of my favorite games of all time. It's uh, pretty goofy. It didn't age well, but I still love it. <laughs> uh, I keep calling the rings coins. And so, yeah, I I keep, I'm not playing Mario. Uh, so, and you can also find me at Twitter at IttyBittyBritZero. Or I just started my YouTube channel, and I should have a new YouTube video out by tomorrow. But that's under IttyBittyBrit2, all lowercase, because there's another IttyBittyBrit, but it's like uppercase. I I B, oh wait, I B I hey I B B. Oh my God, I can't speak. <laughs> well, anyway, regardless of that, make sure that you check out Brittany. Um, she is a very dedicated streamer who puts in a lot of hours for your entertainment. So make sure you check that out. And in general, just make sure you check us out. Let us know if there's a top ten that you'd like to see from us. And um, I guess we'll see you guys next time. All right, bye, bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.